How many of you are leftovers from the graduation? Are your parents? All you guys. Awesome. Wasn't that a wonderful graduation? Yeah. I think it's, uh, for me, it was the best graduation experience we've had in the 17 years we've been doing graduation. So I'm sure it was because of your kids who graduated. I'm sure that's, that's what it was. And then Jesus decided to show up too. That was good graduation. It's awesome. Well, we're just going to have a really good night tonight. Um, you're, you're in blue right there. I'm sorry. You're sitting. Yeah. Would you stand up? What's your name? Tom? Your name's Tom. Tom, I saw the Lord put a shield around you. I saw him protect you completely. You're the most protected person in the room. Um, the Lord's... He, he's a... Um, He's a lifter of your head, and he's a shield about you. And, uh, I, saw, I, and I saw the Lord um, send you out into battle, and you're, like you, everyone else thinks that it's really um, not peaceful and dangerous, but you just have total peace, because, um, because the Lord has equipped you for the places he sends you. And I, I see you, the Lord putting in your mouth a, a word of uh, redirection, and, um, and I see you uh, tearing down uh, ideas that have been raised up against the knowledge of God um, in um, places of uh, higher learning. I don't know what that's about, but um, the Lord's given you a great mind. He's given you a mind like a, uh, like, almost like a scientist and a philosopher. And so I, I bless the um, commission that the Lord's given you and that he would, uh, he would talk to you in the night and he would teach you um, the things that he wants you to say. And that he would give you great courage and great boldness. And that you would find yourself saying things you, you didn't even know. Like, you would be smarter than you are. <laughs> That's a good word right there. So we release that over you in Jesus' name. That's a good word. Um, you're right there. You kind of, I think this is a maroon sweater. No, you, yeah, you. Yeah. Sorry, you're a girl. Yes. What's your name? Marianne, Marianne, the Lord's given you incredible compassion, and I see broken people, like, I see like a magnet attracting broken people, and the Lord's going to give you the gift of counsel, the gift of wisdom, and a discerning of spirits, and people are going to be like, this is my problem, you're going to be like, no, no, that's not your problem, this is your problem, uh, and you're going to be like a, a, a Holy Spirit surgeon, and you're going to operate on the hearts of men and women. And you're going to be famous for your ability to heal the hearts of the broken, the mentally ill, the dis- dis- despised, and the discouraged. And um, I, I see you like, uh, like a doctor. You're like a do- Holy Spirit doctor. Not physical doctor, like a spirit doctor. And, um, and so I just release you that your compassion would actually drive you. Jesus was moved by compassion. And your compassion, the compassion you have for broken people, it's, and, and your humility, that's why the Lord's promoting you. Because of your purity, your humility, and your compassion. And so we bless you. Just extend your hands to her. Lord, we just release this gift in her right now. That, and we know that when you prophesy to us, that you, your words become our world. And that you change us, and you gift us, and you equip us. And so we just equip her right now for this, this duty that you've put in front of her in Jesus' name. And right now, we just magnetize her. We just magnetize her right now that she would be, like, like people who are broken would stick to her in a good way. In Jesus' name. 
And give her some healthy friends too, Lord. <laughs> I know. And all the people who work with the broken said, oh, Lord. <laughs> um, tonight I want to talk about false prophets. <laughs> I did a series about two years ago on uh, prophets and prophecy. And um, I actually did one session on false prophets. And um, actually, I, I've been feeling like I'm supposed to do this probably for three or four months. Um, if, you want, if, you, if you're interested in the subject... Um, it's the, I think, the ninth chapter in this manual we've been using for years. So everything I'm teaching you tonight is something I wrote nine years ago. Um, but I think it's good for us to revisit these things. Let me um, just uh, give you some of my foundation for what I'm teaching. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, He gave some as apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. In other words, so till we all look like Christ. How many of you don't look perfectly like Christ right now? Uh, and then it goes, and here's the, and, and here's what here's what it says. It says, until we attain the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And verse fourteen says this: as a result, as a result of having apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in the body of Christ. Equipping the saints so that they could be mature. As a result of that, we are no longer children tossed here and there by waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. But we're speaking truth in love and we're growing up in all aspects of him who's the head, even Christ, from whom a whole body is being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, which causes the growth of the body for the building up of self and love. All that saying is this, is that the fivefold ministry equips the saints so that they can stay healthy and they actually build one another up in love. Like a, a mature body isn't running to the prophet for a word or isn't running to the pastor for help every time. A mature body is equipped to handle the, the, the other bodies, the other members, the people that we're connecting with, the people you're in relationship with, are you following me? Like you get equipped so the people you're in relationship with, you can give them everything the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher equipped you with. The result of that is that we're no longer children in this sense. Well, obviously we want to be children in our innocence, in our love for God, in our desire for truth. But we're no longer children in this way that we're no longer can be deceived by every wind of doctrine that flows through the church. Not because... Not because I can call the apostle and say, what do you think about this doctrine? But because you're learning good doctrine, you're learning to practice it, you're, you're, and, you're, and, you are, and gifts are being released in your life, like the gift of discernment, so that you, when you see a wolf or when you hear weird doctrine, you don't have to you know, dial the teacher, okay, what do you think about this? Because you're equipped to discern between good and evil, between right and wrong, between biblical and unbiblical, between wrong spirit and right spirit. Are you following me? And so this is part of what we do. We come here and we get equipped so that we can spot people who are off base or even um, uh, the, you know, the ultimate would be wolves in sheep's clothing. I remember many years ago, when I, the first year I came to Weaverville, this is before I met Bill, 
Um, there was a, a man in our town who had a small business that, and I was having him do some work for me in my business. And, um, and I was intrigued by this man. He was the most spiritual man I'd ever met. He was, every time he would, I would go, he was a, he was a sign painter. And every time I would go to his shop with an idea, because we were, we were um, working on you know, some signs for our, for our business, I would get in conversations with him, and he would tell me about the lost books of the Bible and about these encounters they would have. And I was so intrigued. Like, you know, I'd been saved four years, and I had never heard anything like that. And so for, for about probably a year, you know, I would just go down there and talk to him about a new idea so I could hear about you know, the lost books of this guy and lost book of that guy. And, I'm a, and he'd tell me, you know, just all this really cool stuff. And one day I had uh, lunch with Bill Derryberry, who you know is my spiritual dad, one of my spiritual dads. He's like my spiritual grandfather. And, uh, and we were having lunch and I said, and I used the guy's name and I said, man, this guy is so amazing. He's the most spiritual guy I've ever met in my life. He said, are you talking about so-and-so? I'm like, yeah. He goes, that guy's so deceived. He said, did he tell you about the lost books of the Bible? And, and I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, dude, are you kidding me? That guy's like a false prophet. He's been in our town for years. He doesn't connect with anybody. He doesn't go to any church. He has no authority in his life. He doesn't let anyone speak into his life. Did, did you listen to him? Oh, no, not me. <laughs> I was going to tell you, like, we need to, like, talk to that guy. <laughs> and the crazy thing is is that, um, I, don't, I don't know how this, I don't know what the right words are, so this, let me just kind of externally process with you what I feel. Like, I, I was almost like under a spell. Like, as soon as Bill told me, hey, that guy's that guy spiritually strange. I, I mean, within a minute of lunch, and we talked for a half an hour or so about it, but the, within about a minute, I like, woke up and I'm like, whoa, wait a second. That stuff he's telling me, it's not extra-biblical, it's anti-biblical. And this guy has no connection with the church, he doesn't like leaders. And I'm like, it just like, it all fit together like a Rubik's Cube. And I'm like, what was I doing? Like, I, like, I, like I, have, I know the Bible, read it every day, I'm only four years old in the Lord, but I read the Bible every day, and I'm like, why didn't I catch that? But there was something luring about the person that, that made me want to trust him, and all my filters kind of went away, and I was just receiving this stuff. When Bill spoke into my life, I mean, it wasn't even an argument. I'm like, oh, that is weird. Why would I even, why would I even think that was okay? And, um, and so, you know, and I had a relationship with that guy for years and years and years. All, actually, most of the years, all the years we lived in, in Weirville and, and uh, talked to him about the Lord and, and got into his life and, and uh, found out some interesting things about him, which aren't really... Uh, relevant to what we're talking about today. But, so I want to talk a little bit about false prophets, um, how to make sure you don't become one. <laughs> or if you'd like to come one, become one, you just play the song backwards, like a country song, and you, you can become one. Um, <laughs> First, let me just, let's talk just for a few minutes about the difference between Old and New Testament prophecy. And, and, um, and we, we're not going to do an in-depth study. We have... 50 minutes, this, this is uh, about 14 pages of notes, which we'll, we're going to do in 50 minutes. So I'm just going to give you an overview, and I'll, I'll highlight some of the things that I, I think the Lord's talking to us about tonight. But, um, you know, Jesus, in Matthew 5, uh, 17, if you're taking notes, 
He said, do not think I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Jesus didn't just fulfill the law. He filled the law and the prophets. So in which way did Jesus fulfill the prophets in that Ephesians chapter 4, for one example, says that he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, some as evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of service until... How long did he give apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Until we all attain the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. In other words, until the body looks just like Christ, we're going to have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay, so here's my point. In what way did Jesus fulfill the law? We know about the law. But how did he fulfill the prophets if we still have prophets? Are you, are you, are you see where I'm going? Now, some people say, in the last days, there'll be false prophets. And what they actually mean in the, is that in the last days, all the prophets will be false. How many of you know, if all the prophets, if Jesus said, in the last days, all the prophets will be false, it will be really easy to know who's a false prophet. Anyone who says they're a prophet is false. Are you with me? But Jesus didn't say that. He said, in the last days, there'll be false prophets. Now, how many of you know, in order to be false ones, there has to be true ones? You know, if somebody was, you know, uh, making $21 bills, and, and there was no $21 bills, how many of you know nobody would want a $21 bill? So, oh, that's a, that's, a, that's a counterfeit bill. How do you know that? It's 21. There is no $21 bills. You wouldn't need discernment. So, so a lot of people that don't like that 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 speak against false prophets when you when you interact with them and you know that get them on my Facebook page they really enjoy me. <laughs> They're dedicated a couple of websites to me, which is kind of cool, with some of my other friends. <laughs> About three years ago, I interacted with them and I figured out that their idea of a false prophet was anyone who's a prophet. <laughs> That's a false prophet, and you know they also didn't like miracles or they didn't like. I mean, I, like, when they got all done, I don't know where the gospel was. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> so, in what way, when Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets, we know that Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets on the cross. In what way did he fulfill the prophets? I, I, I'd like to show you that Jesus fulfilled the prophets in that he, the, the role of the Old Testament prophet was to judge sin. Remember, the overview, I, the, the, the Old Testament was written as an overview to let us know that we, that we were people who were sinners who needed a Savior. So what was the prophet's job in that? The prophet's job was to teach the people that sin deserved judgment. And the prophet's uh, consequently, one of their main roles in their Old Testament was to judge people who sinned. Now, how many people have sinned in here? Okay, and you that aren't raising your hand, you are in deception? Yeah, so the prophets judged nations because the, the, the theme of the Old Testament was you are sheep that have gone astray and you need, a, you need a savior. And so Galatians, Paul wrote in Galatians that the Old Testament was a tutor and it led us to Christ in that it told us we are sinners and that we are in need of a savior. Right? So that's the overview. So Jesus, uh, in uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 16, Jesus said, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. 
the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom has been preached, and everyone is forcing their way into it. Jesus went on to say this, Matthew chapter 11, verse 16. He said, what shall I compare this generation to? And he talks about John the Baptist, that John sang the dirge, and you did not mourn. I played the flute, and you did not dance. What, and then, so, and, John, and Jesus goes on to tell us that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. But the least in the kingdom was greater than John, is greater than John. How many know that John wasn't in the kingdom? You got saved, you came into the kingdom. Right? You, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. How many understand that John the Baptist wasn't born again? I'm sure he is now, or wherever he is in heaven. But how many understand that when John the Baptist walked the earth, when all the Old Testament people walked the earth, they were not born again. They were not new creations. The blood of Jesus hadn't been shed. They were still sinners prone to sin because new creation came after the cross. Are you following me? So John sang the dirge. And what is that? That's the funeral song. Jesus played the flute. How I many you understand that they're depicting two epic seasons? John sang the dirge. And John was the last prophet of an, of an old epic season called the Old Testament, the Old Agreement, the Old Covenant. How did John the Baptist die? What was the, what was the um, method of execution in the days of Jesus? It was crucifixion, remember? I mean, they even crucified thieves. Remember there were thieves on each side of them? They even crucified thieves. But how did John die? He was beheaded. Why was he beheaded? Because, he was the, because that way of thinking, he was the last prophet of that way of thinking, and he lost his head because that way of thinking was over. There was a new era of, of, of the kingdom, and there was new prophets in the kingdom. So, um, in a, we're just going to move forward. So, if we, what is in Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen? We all this verse. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things passed away, and all things have become new. God. The next verse says, "And God was in Christ. What was He doing? Reconciling the world to Himself. How did He do it? Not counting their trespasses against Him." Next verse says, "And we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, as if God was begging through us, be reconciled to God." Okay. What is the ministry, not just prophetic ministry, what is the ministry we've been given? The ministry of what? Reconciliation. What is the ministry of reconciliation? It's not counting their trespasses against them. When Jesus, when he rose from the dead, John 20, 20, first thing he did when he met the disciples is he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit and their first command to them was, whomever sends you forgive, I forgive. Whomever sends you retain, I retain. How many of you understand that now we are an agent of forgiveness and we have the right to forgive people of sins when they don't deserve it? You know why? Because that's how we got in. We got forgiven when we didn't deserve it. The law said, you can't come in here. The prophet said, you deserve to be judged. But what happened? Jesus said, but the violent took the kingdom by force. Through a violent act of grace, we got in the kingdom. The law said, you can't come in here. The prophet said, you can't come in here. The Pharisees stood at the door of the kingdom, Jesus said. And they wouldn't enter themselves, and they, and they kept everyone else from entering. But what did Jesus do? He took the cross through a violent act of grace. 
we got into the kingdom, not through our works, but through his. And then once we got in, we got, the, we, we got commissioned to let anyone else in that we want to. By reconciling them to Christ, by not counting their trespasses against them. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophets were commissioned to point out sin and judge the people. In the New Testament, the prophetic people, the ministry of the New Testament, whether you're a prophet, you're a teacher, you're a saint, whatever, the ministry of the New Testament is reconciling people to Christ by giving them grace when they don't deserve it. What would happen if you took an Old Testament prophet, let's pretend this is the, the, the Old Testament, the old, the old Covenant, and you took him from the Old Covenant and you moved him to the New Covenant. What would happen if you were able to take an Old Testament prophet and move him to the New Covenant? Well, we know that. We know what would happen because Malachi chapter 4 says, In the last days, when? In the last days, I'll send you Elijah the prophet. What will he do? He will restore the hearts of fathers to sons and sons to fathers. What did Elijah do on this side of the cross? <laughs> Called down fire, stopped the rain, killed false prophets. What does he do over here? Reconciles families. This is a New Testament prophecy. <laughs> Are you with me? When you see people doing this, you'll need to like grab them. Hey, come over here on the other side of the cross. <laughs> You got a bunch of bloody people over there. You need to get healed, raised from the dead. <laughs> Whoa. Now, in the Old Testament, they were under the law. And here's what the law said about prophets. Deuteronomy 18, 18. I will raise up a prophet from among your countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth. And he will speak to them what I command him. And it shall come about that whoever will not listen to the words which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. I will require it of him. It goes on to say, if a prophet in the Old Testament spoke and you were part of God's congregation and you didn't listen, you were dead. Remember Moses? Remember Korah? Remember the earth opening up? So people always say, they killed the prophets when they got the word wrong. Yeah, well, they killed the people when they didn't listen. So prophets had a lot of power. Are you with me? The, but the prophet, but the prophet who speaks the word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall surely die. So this is where we get a lot of people, you know, pastors, everyone, lots, lots of people teach that if you move in prophecy, the gift of prophecy, or if you're a prophet and you make a mistake then you shall die. Now, they forget that the context of the Old Testament is that if your wife committed adultery, you stoned her. If your son was rebellious, you stoned him. If the people didn't listen to the prophet, they got stoned. It's kind of that song, everybody got stoned. You know the, I think the Rolling Stones said that. It's so funny when people pull out one line out of a scripture and build a whole doctrine around it. They forget if they, taught, if they teach the Bible that if they got that wrong, they get stoned too. So in the Old Testament, the, the revelation, it was revelation received. In other words, 
The Holy Spirit did not live inside of a prophet. The Holy Spirit did not live inside of people. I understand there were some exceptions. David talked about the Spirit living in him. But there was a, that was an exception. The rule was the Holy Spirit did not live inside of people. When we received Jesus Christ and we were born again, we received his Spirit, right? So, if, so when a prophet got a word from God, it was an occasion because they were not born again. Now, just think about this. When you receive Jesus... You became a new creation, and you now have two spirits in you, hopefully only. <laughs> the goal is to have only two. Your spirit and the Holy Spirit. So you are actually a house of two spirits. Your spirit and the Holy Spirit. Before you knew Christ, you were spiritually dead. So when you had a spiritual experience, are you with me? When God spoke to an Old Testament prophet and they had a spiritual experience, that was an occasion because they were spiritually dead. And God would speak to them specifically what exactly to say. It was revelation received. Are you with me? For them to get it wrong, they had to try to get it wrong. They had to use their power to manipulate the people. And because they had so much power, in other words, if you didn't listen to the prophet, you were killed. These people had a lot, of, a lot of power. These prophets had a lot of power. God balanced the power by saying, if you speak a word presumptuously, the prophet shall die. Now, Deuteronomy goes on to tell us how to judge the prophecy. It says, if the word that the prophet speaks does not come to pass, then the word, of, the word from the prophet was not from me. So how did you know how to judge prophecy? You had to wait, to, you had to, wait till, to see if the prophecy came to pass. Why? Because you, didn't, you, you weren't spiritually alive. The only way that you had to judge prophecy is to see if it came to pass. Now, 1 Corinthians 14 says this. Speaking of a public meeting, where Paul's giving instruction in a public meeting, he says, let two or three prophets speak, and then let the others pass judgment. The connotation is immediately. Okay, how many know prophecy is foretelling, I'm telling you the future, and foretelling, I'm causing the future? The key word is future. How do I judge something about the future when I'm in the present? In other words, the point is, somebody gets up and speaks a prophecy, and immediately the other prophets are there to judge the prophecy. How do I judge the prophecy when it's... When I, how do I judge the prophecy before it comes to pass? Because I'm judging source. It's called the discerning of spirits. I'm judging that the source of that prophetic word was the Holy Spirit. And how many know, if the Holy Spirit speaks that word, he cannot lie. Therefore, if God speaks the word, it has to come to pass because God cannot lie. So what am I judging? I'm judging source. When am I judging it? Immediately. Are you with me? Okay. So in the Old Testament, prophets judged Nations and people. In the New Testament, prophets judge prophecy. They don't judge nations. They judge prophecy. God judges nations. It's called Judgment Day. And it's reserved for a day. Not days. We live in the last days. We don't live in the last day. The last day is called the day of judgment. And by the way, everybody will be judged by God. And those of us that are walking with God, will receive our reward. So judgment's spoken of as great and terrible. Great in that we will be getting our reward. Terrible for people who, as Hebrews says, step on the blood of Jesus and decide 
to not come to Christ when they know it's the right thing to do. Are you with me so far? Okay, so prophecy is to be judged. Not the prophets, not prophetic people, prophecy. And we judge for source. And, and, and there's a whole, by the way, there's a whole chapter in there on how to judge prophecy. So it's not really our subject for tonight. Um, let me, let, so let's talk about New Testament prophecy. When a, when a prophetic person or a prophet receives a word, it's actually revela- it's revelation perceived, not revelation received. Remember the Old Testament prophet, when he got a word from God, he wasn't spiritual because he wasn't spiritually alive. Over here, you're born again, and where does the Holy Spirit live? Out here? No, he lives in here. So when you get revelation, it's revelation perceived, not revelation received, because you live a spiritual experience every day. And not only that, but your spirit is born again and has the mind of Christ and wants to do good things. But how many know prophecy isn't good things, it's God things? So you're discerning, when you receive a prophetic word, you have to decide, is the source your spirit, or the Holy Spirit, or evil spirits or angels? You have to, you have to, and how many of you understand, and if your spirit is inherently good, because how many you know you became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? And the Holy Spirit is holy. How many know it's a little bit harder to discern between your idea and God's idea because you have the mind of Christ? But God's ideas are the only ones that are actually prophecies. Did you get that? So it's revelation received. I'm sorry, perceived, not revelation received. Because you live a spiritual experience. You're a spirit, you're a spirit having a temporary human experience. So, you live under different rules than the Old Testament. If you, if you give a bad prophecy, you shouldn't be stoned. And I'm talking about rocks. Just to be clear. It's kind of funny, you know, whenever you correct someone, they go, he who throws, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. Do you know Jesus was actually talking about rocks when he talked to the woman? Anyway, it's just another subject, off subject. Okay. There's a difference between false prophets and bad prophets. <laughs> There's a difference between a bad prophecy and a false prophecy. In, um, in, in, what are we doing for time? 30 minutes. For the sake of time, in Acts chapter 21, I'll tell you the story. In Acts chapter 21, verse 10, Paul, I'm sorry, yeah, Paul is going to Jerusalem. And a, a prophet who is very respected, one of the only named prophets in the, in the book of Acts, named Agabus, he takes his belt, he ties Paul up, and he says, this is what's going to happen to you if you go to Jerusalem. The, the, the Jews are going to, they're going to bind you and they're going to hand you over to the Gentiles. And Paul uh, goes on to say, well, I'm ready to die for Christ. So whatever happens, happens. He goes on to Jerusalem, to Rome, and, uh, by way of Jerusalem. And actually, the opposite happens. It's actually the Romans who arrest him. And hand him over to the Jews. 
Agabus got it mostly right, but the details were wrong. Agabus isn't a false prophet because he didn't quite get it right. Paul is on a ship in, in Acts chapter 27. And this ship is taking him to Rome. And Paul says, gets this word, and he says to the captain, if we sail from here, there will be loss of ship and loss of life. They didn't listen to Paul. They end up, they set sail, and they end up going to this island called Crete. And on the way there, there's a great storm. And the ship, and they have to get rid of, you know, just and all the cargo, and it's really a bad storm. Everybody's freaking out. And, and Paul said, you should have listened to me. He tells the captain, you should have listened to me. But I want you to know this. An angel came to me last night and said, there shall be loss of ship, but no loss of life. How many know your prophecy is pretty bad when an angel has to correct you? Now, you think, well, that's only a minor adjustment on his prophecy. It is unless you're in the ship. <laughs> My point is, is that very well-respected people got prophetic words wrong in the Bible. They got the details wrong. They got things wrong. And so it doesn't mean you're a false prophet or you don't have the gift of prophecy. It just means you messed up. It's called a messed up prophecy. You know, isn't it strange that we, would hold, that we would hold someone to a perfect record? Does anyone ever, is anyone ever perfect at anything? I mean, Michael Jordan in his best game shot something like 79%. It's Michael Jordan. Have you ever known a person who's, you know, have you ever listened to a teaching where somebody doesn't misquote a verse or, 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 or give the wrong address? Does that make it a false teaching? Have you ever made a mistake in raising your children? Does it make you a false dad or mom? It's like, that spanking I gave you, it's for the next one. You didn't deserve it this time. It's a prophetic spanking. <laughs> okay, so what makes a prophet, we're talking about prophets tonight, so what makes a prophet false? Okay, there's two kinds of false prophets. The first one, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 16, verse 16, there's two kinds of false prophets. The first one is a person who's invited a spirit of divination into his or her life. And here's, here it is in Acts chapter 16. It happened that as we were going to a place, Paul and Luke, and Silas, I think. It, it happened as we were going to a place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination. Everybody say a spirit of divination. She met us and she was bringing her masters much profit by foretelling. Following after us, Paul, following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are great bond servants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. So he continued doing this for many days. But Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it came out at that very moment, and she could no longer foretell, she could no longer prophesy for her masters. Now, here's a really interesting dynamic. Did you notice what she was saying about Paul? These are men of God proclaiming to you the way of the kingdom. Did you notice that she, was, she had the spirit of divination, but she had the right word? Did you notice she had the wrong spirit, but the right word? See, when you start saying, well, false prophets are people who get the word wrong. No, no, false prophets often get the word right. 
I don't know how many people have ever been to a psychic. Psychics have very accurate prophecies. You know why? Because when you prophesy as a Christian, um, Psalms 120, uh, 105 verse 20 says this, that God hearkens to the voice, no, I'm sorry, the angel of the Lord hearkens to his voice and carries out his words. When you prophesy, who carries out your prophecies? The angels. When you go to a psychic, who carries out their prophecies? Demons. You know why the devil knows the future? Because when you let him prophesy over you, you put your, hand, you put your life in his hands and he causes your future. You know why he knows where all the bad guys are? Where he, why he knows about crimes? He caused them. You put yourself in a, in, in a psychic's hands and you might be getting really good prophecies, but you're getting spirits that are, that are attached to yourself to your life and they're the ones carrying them out. And by the way, it's like giving candies to kids to get them into the car so you can kidnap them. Guarantee you. Bad, good prophecy doesn't mean good prophet. And bad prophecies don't mean bad prophet. Okay, so the first kind of uh, false prophet is someone who actually has a spirit of divination. So they have, a, they have a heart from hell, and they have a gift from, and they have a gift from hell. But the gift from hell doesn't mean that they don't have right information. When Jesus walked the earth, remember the demonized people? What did they say when Jesus got close? This is the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Jesus, like, shut up. What were they doing? See, people say all the time, well, you can always tell the devil, he always, he always lies. No, the devil will tell the truth if it's destructive for you. Why didn't Jesus want the demons to tell anyone who he was? Because he didn't want the people to know who they crucified. He didn't want their guilt to be greater. And the devil always wants to increase your shame. Okay, second type of false prophet is, a, is a, someone who receives Christ and they received an office of a prophet and they walk away from God. Now, Romans eleven twenty nine says the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. So there's three things it takes to have a normal ministry. One is the gift. Two is the is the a calling, a, a gifting, a calling, and an anointing. Your gift gives you your ability. Your calling gives you your identity. Who are you? And your anointing gives you your purpose. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. So once Jesus calls you, once he gives you a gift, you get to take that wherever you go from now on. It becomes who you are. But guess who's anointing the gift when you leave God? Guess who's anointed the gift in your life. Ever hear someone sing a great song and hate God? Who gave him that gift? Every good gift comes from God. Who's using it? Are, are you, did I kill you or something? God gives you the gift, but he, he gives you the car, but who's driving it? Just because God gave you the gift, just because he gave you the call, doesn't mean he's the one anointing what you do. He can anoint you for business. And you could, you could use it to manipulate people. He could give you a gift of motivation and you can turn it into a gift of manipulation. 
So the gifts and callings are irrevocable, but the anointing, and by the way, the anointing always gives you something to do. Remember, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Now, everywhere, every time you hear the word anointed, you're going to hear something to do. To preach the good news to the afflicted, to bind up the broken heart, speak release to captives, freedom to prisoners, you get the idea. When the anointing gives me purpose, you ever find anybody in your life, you know anybody in your life that's very has a calling of God in their life, they're very gifted, but they have no motivation? Why? Because motivation comes from the spirit world. Holy spirit or evil spirit? If you, if you, want, if you want to get motivated, you get close to Holy Spirit. The, the spirit of God was upon me, for the Lord has anointed me. I feel... I feel like I don't care about life. I have no motivation. Get close to the Holy Spirit. It will anoint your gift and you'll come alive. Okay. In Numbers chapter 20, um, sorry, Numbers chapter 22 through 24, there's a, there's a false prophet and his name is Balaam. Now, interesting thing about Balaam is he's getting all his information from God. I don't know if you know the story. He, he, it's, the, it's the guy that the donkey rebuked. Remember that guy? He's a false prophet, and he's, getting his, he's interacting with God, and he has a relationship with God. But he wants to curse the people of God. And God has to convince him to not curse the people. And he's called a false prophet. Where is he getting his information? God. What's the problem? Heart. He's got a gift from God, but he's got a heart from hell. How many, are you you getting this? Like, the problem is heart. False prophet, bad heart. Not bad gift. Okay, turn to Matthew chapter 7. We are going to read this. Verse 15. Some Some of the favorite... This is one of the favorite verses that people write to me. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaged wolves. You will know them by their fruit. How are you going to know them? By their fruit. Okay, so we're going to do a fruit check. Grapes? (laughs) We'll leave it there. Oh, thank you. Was it really bad? Pastoral gift. <laughs> All the prophetic people are like, what's the problem? He had a little booger. It's no big deal. <laughs> Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree produces good fruit, but bad trees produce bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruits cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruit. Not everyone... Okay, so stop for a minute. So Jesus said, beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but they're inside. They're actually wolves. How you'll know them? You'll know them by their fruit. Okay, so now the question is, what does fruit look like? What kind of fruit is he talking about? So I'm like, all right, I'm going to check out the false prophets. How am I going to know them? By their fruit. Okay, I already showed you that false prophets can have good words. Right? The woman that's with the spirit of divination. These men are men of God. They're preaching to you the way of the kingdom. How many know 
If I used the bad fruit is a bad word, how many know that lady fits through that screen because she has a good word? How many know Balaam fits through that screen because he's interacting with God? And yet a donkey has to rebuke the guy. You're pretty bad when the donkey's smarter than you. So then you'll know them by their fruits. Now listen to this. Okay, still, now Jesus is going to teach us about fruit. Okay, listen. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of God, who's in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And did we not cast out demons? And in your name perform many miracles. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Okay, stop for a minute. What did they just say they did? They prophesied, they cast out demons, and they did miracles. He never said they lied. The bad fruit is they never prophesied, they never cast out a demon, and they never did any miracles. Jesus doesn't say that. So the fruit isn't bad actions. Are you with me? It's not bad prophecies. It's not bad miracles. He said, I never knew you, Two things. I never knew you. You practice lawlessness. You're like, okay, what does lawlessness mean? Okay, next verse. Therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and, does, and acts on them shall be compared to a man, a wise man, who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Let's stop for a minute. Do you understand that the subject is still false prophets? He hasn't changed subjects. He didn't go to another place and start another conversation about something else. He's still talking about false prophets. What's he saying? He's saying the, way, the fruit they bear is what the false prophet, we'll see in just a minute, builds his house on the sand. And the true prophet builds his house on a rock. Are you with me? Okay, so then he goes on to say... Um, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man. Who's the foolish man in the story? In the context, who's the foolish man? The false prophet. Everyone who built his house on the sand. I'm sorry, like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, slammed against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Okay, what's the difference between a false prophet and a, and a, and a true prophet in this context? In this context, one built his house on a rock, one built his house on a sand. Okay, how do I tell if the guy has his house built on a rock or sand? Because Jesus said, depart from me, you who are lawless. And then he describes lawlessness. What is lawlessness? It's a person who hear, hears the words, but doesn't do anything about it. He preaches them, but it doesn't affect him. And by the way, he builds his house on sand. What is sand? What is sand? It's pieces of rock. You know what pieces of rock are? They're pet scriptures taken out of context. Not the full counsel of God. Just some sand, not a rock. <laughs> okay, so let's go through this. They appear to be good. Remember, they're like sheep. They look like sheep. They appear to be good. But they're the enemy of the sheep. Because they're lawless. They don't live what they preach. 
Jesus said it this way, John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. A lot of people want to be a friend with God, but they haven't kept his commandments. <laughs> Number two, false prophets have a belief system that's, that's, that's built on a few pet scriptures, sand. It's usually, by the way, just from experience, it's usually the strange ones. The strange scriptures. The ones you always wondered what they mean. And you read a commentary, the, the commentary doesn't speak on that scripture. <laughs> Even the person who wrote the commentary, I have no idea. <laughs> but if they have an idea, they can talk to you about how the sons of God had intercourse with the daughters of men, and who the Nephim were, and they have, I mean, just, just give them one strange scripture, and they build a whole doctrine on it. Something, let, me, let me just stop for a minute and just say this. And I've said this to our prophetic teams many times, and especially those who teach. Don't have, your, the, the, don't have the main course of your ministry be odd things that are on the edge of the kingdom. If you, if you, have, you, know, if you get some revelation on some, you know, uh, you know, it's kinda, you know what I'm trying to say, not strange, but what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, fringe, spiritual, you know, kind of hard to understand scripture. If God gives you revelation on one thing or a couple of things like that, that's awesome. If your traveling ministry is built on all these obscure verses that no one ever, ever knows, and you've built whole, you know, you have serious, you, bought, you wrote three books about it. I'm like, I question whether you're carrying the gospel. It's funny because Jesus worked hard to not, to to only teach us things we could understand. He said, I got other things to tell you, but you couldn't get it. These people teach you things you could never understand. And the goal becomes to let you know that they're more spiritual than you. I'm getting ahead of myself. What do I got? 14 minutes. Ahead of myself. But I'm going to tell you, a main, the main, the, I call it Holy Ghost beepers. Here's my Holy Ghost peepers after dealing with many false prophets over the last 30 years. Here's my first Holy Ghost peeper. When someone seems more spiritual than Jesus, something's wrong. You know, Jesus had to ask the boy's father, how long has this boy been sick? False prophets know everything. Jesus tells them what to wear, what underwear to wear, where to go, what people's names are. And they begin almost every sentence with, the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said. That Lord said means, I'm afraid of you, I don't want your opinion. God tells me everything. You meet people like that, you'll just turn around and walk away. I I would say, if it's not 100% of the time, 99% of the time, those people are trying to have power over you by letting you know that they are more spiritual than you. And by the way, they're more spiritual than the leaders in the church too. They'll whisper to the body, oh, you know, the pastor taught that, but the Lord gave me some insight. No, he's a good man. He's always a good man, by the way. Or a good woman. He's, she's always a good man. The leader, really love him. Hey, when someone starts a sentence by saying, I really love your pastor, no, the next sentence is going to be bad. <laughs> I really love your leader. Okay, here goes the big butt. <laughs> Just remember it. Here comes the butt. They're a little off on this thing right over here. Let me tell you what else they do. They know 
how wonderful you are, and your pastor doesn't get it. You're amazing. You're supposed to be in charge of a network. Your pastor, he doesn't get you. I get you. What are they doing? They're luring you away. How many of you know flattery is counterfeit encouragement? They will suck you in with how amazing you are. you just like little sheep. Oh, my pastor doesn't know. I'm supposed to be in charge of this church. It's kind of funny, but I can tell you we've experienced it over and over and over again. I get afraid when someone walks up to me that I don't know and goes, I'm a prophet. I'm a mechanic. I'm a man. Is there, you know, there may be appropriate places to say that, but normally people know I'm a man. (laughs) That's the thought. (laughs) I mean, isn't it, wouldn't it be weird if someone walks up to you and goes, I'm a man. I want to think like, is there some reason I wouldn't think that? I'm an apostle and a prophet. Oh, I'm a pastor and teacher. All we need is an evangelist and we could have the fivefold ministry right here. There's those two of us. Here's a, here's a good warning for our, for our stream. False prophets always have power. Jesus said, Matthew 24, 24, there'll be false Christs and false prophets and they'll rise and they'll show great signs and wonders. So how many of you understand? The fruit cannot be the stuff they do. Because I showed you, they sometimes have accurate words. Sometimes they know stuff you don't know. They do signs and wonders and miracles. Jesus said that. What's the real problem right here? This is the problem, always. So if you're like, if you're checking the fruit like, oh, the word was right. I don't mean anything. Okay, turn to 1 John, and we'll just kind of breeze through 1 John. 1 John 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Who's he writing to? Beloved. Who's the beloved? Are you the beloved? Okay, so this verse, so this book was not written to unbelievers. Do we agree? Okay, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they're from God. What's the next verse? For many false prophets have went out into the world. Okay, before we apply this to anyone else, this is first instruction for us. What's the instruction for us? Do not become a false prophet. By believing the wrong spirit. What's that mean? It means you can. So before we go pointing a finger at a bunch of other people, we better look inside and make sure we aren't the ones listening to the wrong spirit. I'll say, well, an evil spirit can't speak to me. Well, the devil spoke to Jesus. So I don't think you're quite on that level. And if you are, then you're one of those people I'm talking about. Let me just say this. This isn't just about prophets. The day you think 
You cannot do anything wrong is the day you are very influenceable by any spirit that's in the air. The day you think, I, you, know, uh, you know, I have such a great relationship with God. I mean, you're scaring me. I, I say, uh, this is a little off subject, but I feel to say, I think it's the same thing about your morality. The day you don't protect your purity. Oh, I'm, you know what? I'm a righteous person. Well, think about David. <laughs> you know, he's a man after God's heart. And, I mean, you know, it's just like, don't be, I'm not talking about walking around like how I do in every second. I'm just saying, don't get so confident in your relationship with God that you don't need other people to speak in your life and tell you, hey, dude, there's something off going, you know, something not right. You know, your friends that know you, they, they, they know your stand. Um, let me see how I say it. I'm not talking about your standard, just your standard. I'm talking about they kind of know you. Like they have a feel for you. When you are in a body, when you're in community, we've been talking a lot about community the last year or two. When you're in community, people get to know you and they know your norm. They kind of know your norm attitude, your norm moods, your norm, your norm uh, passions, your norm everything. When you get off, when you start getting influenced by another spirit, uh, somebody is, is luring you off, something is going wrong. Your close friends are the first one to go. They may not know what's wrong. They know this isn't your norm. Something's, you know, in this case, I'm talking about a negative. Something's not right. Something's not right. And they start asking you questions. And oftentimes, you're the one who figures out, oh, it's that thing. Oh, it's that sign painter guy. (laughs) That sign painter guy, he he got in. How did he get in there? I know the Bible. But my friend just goes, hey, that guy's, are you kidding me? That guy's deceived. Nobody trusts that guy. Da, da, da. Wait. Oh. You know what's interesting? Just a side note. Bill Derryberry, probably the greatest lover of people of anyone I ever met in my life. Would you agree? One of the greatest lovers, for sure, of people I've ever met in my life. And he's the one who says he's deceived. If somebody who normally loves everybody doesn't trust somebody, you should like, boop, 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 something's wrong. Boop, boop, boop. Do you know what I mean? Okay, so, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God, because many false prophets went on the world. By this you'll know the spirit of God. This, every spirit that, that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you've heard that is coming and now is already in the world. By the way, the devil's not anti-Jesus. He's anti-Christ. The devil loves a powerless Christ. Powerless Jesus, I'm sorry. The word Christ means the anointed one or the one with power. The devil loves other Jesuses that can lure you in and have no power to change you. He's not against Jesus. He's against Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people that embrace a religion that's headed by Jesus, but not the Jesus we're following. <laughs> if you have a Jesus that forgives your sins but doesn't transform your heart, that's not the one we're following. A Jesus that leaves you in your sin, that's not the one we're following. A Jesus that says, oh, it's no problem, just keep sinning, I've paid for it all, sorry, that's a different gospel. Jesus saved you from sin, not to sin. That's a good word too. So, how do you know if the spirit that's speaking to you is not from God? Well, the first test is it doesn't, it, it doesn't acknowledge 
doesn't believe in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. The redemptive work of Jesus Christ transforms you, doesn't just save you. Number two, John, uh, verse six. We are from God, and he who knows God, what? Listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this you know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. False prophets don't listen to anybody. They're not connected to anybody. They blow into one church and blow out of another one. They love our tenant ministry because no one ever gets to know them. They get to blow in, give all these prophetic words, and leave. They never have to eat their own cooking. And they're not accountable to anybody. They, they, nobody, can, nobody can actually speak into their life. And nobody can correct them. You know why? You start to correct them. First thing that happens when you start to correct the false prophet is, they, oh, they persecuted the prophets of old. Yeah, well, you're not an Old Testament prophet. And I'm not persecuting you. I'm correcting you. I'm about to persecute you. I got a rock in my hand right here. And you're about to step over that line. Here's the challenge. It's very difficult to actually, somebody who has actually stepped into the role of false prophet, it's very difficult to change them. I'll tell you why. Because they're fortified. When you try to correct them, they call that persecution. And they, and, and they wear it as a badge of honor. Well, I've been corrected by the pastor, and therefore... I'm, I, they, you know what? They try to shut down the prophets of old. And they're trying to shut me down. Yeah, for two different reasons. You're destructive. You're not connected to anybody. Do not believe anyone who doesn't have a relationship with the body. And if they haven't seen their leader, you know, it's like, I, I, this is kind of funny. They typically like to be anointed by big names that they never have a connection with. Well, Joe's Super Church has anointed me. I'm under their covering. Haven't seen him for 18 years. Well, I might be covering, but it's not accountability. Accountability means someone actually has a place to speak in your life, and by the way, and they use it. I can't tell you how many times I've called Joe's Super Church. Hey, you know so-and-so? Uh, yeah, he graduated from our school 15 years ago. Haven't seen him since. He said you're his covering. I prayed for him. Hey, let's take a picture with the big guy. Let's put it on my website. I need other people's favor because I don't have any. I don't stay connected long enough to have favor. My favor comes from what I do, not who I am. So I have to find people that have favor with the flock to connect with them so the flock trusts me. It's part of my suit. It's part of my sheep suit. I have never met a false prophet who doesn't try to find authority that they can connect to and just that they can use their name and have no relationship with them. When you try to correct a false prophet, you can't figure out if they're crazy, you're crazy until you walk away. <laughs> Every single time. I've probably been ten times in, a, in an office with somebody or in a place with somebody. Or, or, the, or the pastor says, you know, hey, can you meet with Joe? You know, I, I, I read your manual. I think he's one of them. One of them. Them. That in chapter nine. I think they're the chapter nine. I start to talk to him, and, and it's like, it's jello. Like, I'm not, whoa, 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 yo, whoa. 
I, I used to be really like, uh, you know, I've obviously the first few times you meet with someone like that, you're like, I don't, what just happened? I'm not sure what happened. Was I wrong or were they wrong? Now in five minutes, I'm like, hey, 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 stop. You're not an Old Testament prophet. I'm not persecuting you. I'm talking to you. By the way, you want some verses for that? Oh, you don't even use the Bible. You'll, oh, you use the, just those special verses you have. Well, there's a lot more. You should read the rest of it. You should read the rest of it. It's really a good book. Those little sand pieces, you can glue them together and make a rock out of them. Oh, I ran out of time. Well, you're not going to know the other six ways that you could be deceived. Just have to read it for yourself. It's a whole new concept. I'll give you these quickly. 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God. He does not love, does not know God. Did you know that that is in the chapter about false prophets? Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God and everyone. I don't, I'm, I'm afraid I'll get it wrong. But you, you, you know that song? That song is about false prophets. And the person who doesn't love is a person who's listened to the wrong spirit. First John 4.18 There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfect in love. By the way, same chapter about false prophets and how to discern if you're listening to the wrong voice. If you use prophecy to scare people, you're listening to the wrong voice. And by the way, here's a great prophecy. God told me this thing about you, Bill. But he told me I can't tell you. <laughs> well, what the heck? Why did you tell me that then? Because false prophets always want to have one up on you. I know something about you that you don't even know about you. God wouldn't tell you in your relationship. He only told me. I, I want to just read you one, one more verse. And this is one I just added today. Colossians 2.18. Paul's talking about some false believers that have come in to Colossians. is deceiving the people. And here's what he says. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement, in the worship of angels taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by the fleshly mind, not holding fast to the head, whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows, into the, grows with a growth which is from God. Uh, uh, this verse is, man, I wish I would have found this verse years ago, with reference to this, because that would be in every one of my books. This is so true. Did you hear what he said? Let me just read you this one part. They delight in self-abasement, like fasting and restricting themselves. And the worship of angels. Oh, they see angels all the time. You, too bad you don't. You lower level being you. And listen to this. And they take their stand on visions they've seen, but they're inflated without cause. And they don't hold fast to the head. They don't hold fast to the body. They don't hold fast to the head. Listen, they don't hold fast to the head from whom the entire body is being supplied and held together. They're not a part of the body. And how do they talk? Well, I had this vision. And they get done. You're like, I wish I had visions like that. Yeah, they wish they did too. 
but they have a great imagination. And I'll tell you something. Every false prophet that I've ever dealt with, so this is not everyone in the world, right? Lives in fantasy. They live in fantasy. And I'm convinced that they have been hurt someplace in their life. They're afraid of reality. And they developed imagination. And they live in a world that they, can, that they can be the boss of. That they can be the Superman in. Because they're afraid of the real world. Beware the false prophets. We have a responsibility to correct people when they come in the flock and they're damaging people. One of the main things that false prophets do is they draw you to them instead of to Christ. And by the way, you need them. You'll pay them a lot of money to know what they know about you. Paul said to Timothy, those who continue in sin rebuke them in the presence of everyone so that the rest will also be fearful of sinning. In Hebrews 13, 16, he said, do not neglect doing good and sharing for what sacrifices God's pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do it with joy and not with grief for this would be unprofitable for you. I understand that these verses have been used over the years in very religious cultures to control people, and you can't buy a car without coming in and talking to your pastor. And I understand that. But the truth is, it's in the Bible. And the truth is, is that whoever God gives oversight to, he gives insight to. So it is true that when you have, a sh- when you have shepherds in your life, when you have leaders in your life, that those leaders will often have insight into your life that you need for your life. That's, how, that's why it's called a body where we stay connected and where we, we, we supply each one, each other, strength and grace, correction and direction, and faithful are the wounds of a friend. But deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. So this is, this is part of being a community. The people that listen to this that don't like this are, are people that struggle with community. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm saying maybe they've been abused, they've been hurt. How many have, been, how many have ever been hurt in the grocery store? I have. I'll still go there, though, because they have food I need to eat. <laughs> you get the point. Some people are like, I've been to church. Yeah, huh? <laughs> I won't. Some people are like, I went to church and they, they wounded me. I'm like, awesome. No, they wounded me. Awesome. I was wounded several times. Awesome, awesome, awesome. What's, what do you mean? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You found people brave enough to tell you the truth. I'm a victim. Yeah, you're a victor, man. Get off my cloud. You are not a victim. You are not a victim. You are not a victim. Stories. I can't tell you any stories right now. I I wish I could, but because we're streaming. While we're streaming, people will be screaming if I tell stories that are true in, on this subject. So why don't you stand? I'm going to pray for you all. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, I've discerned your spirit and you're not a false prophet. 
Okay, we just have to make sure that nobody leaves here like, I'm one of those false prophets. Let me tell you something. Let me just say this. If you have any, if you heard this message and you're, and you're in this congregation right here, and you're like, I might be a false prophet. If you think you are, you are not. The people that are, they would never get that. Trust me, they will never get that. You can sit down and paint a picture of them, say, oh, here's a false prophet, and you paint a portrait of them, you're like, ha, oh, somebody's imitating me. No, that's you. That's you in your sheep suit. And you're cheap. Okay, don't go there. Careful. Okay, I'm going to pray for you, okay? I'm going to pray for the most needed gift in the season of life that we're in right now. It's the gift of discerning of spirits. And it'll make up for all the teaching you didn't get tonight. You'll be like, beep, 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 beep. You're like, I've got to go read the manual. I don't know, how do you turn that alarm off? <laughs> then you'll read the Bible and you'll get why the paper's going off. It's a metaphor. Anyway, okay, so Holy Spirit, I just release the gift of discernment over every single person in the room right now and over people who will watch by Bethel TV too, that they would get the gift of discernment and they would suddenly be awakened in their spirit to maybe people who are trying to deceive them. Like I was in that early day as a young man, as a young believer. Jesus, I pray that then you would also give them this, the gift of wisdom. That they would know what to do with their discernment. And Lord, I pray also that you give them the gift of faith so they'd have the courage to do it. And I just release that over every single person in Jesus' name. I pray that the body would be so discerning that when a wolf comes in, that they either get converted are kicked out, not by the shepherds, but by the flock. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, I receive that for myself. Amen.